And good morning, good morning, good morning. And first, let me say to you, uh, Merry Christmas Day. Merry couple of days after Christmas. What a great, great time. And, uh, you know, if you really, truly understand the spirit of and the reason for the season, uh, the birth of the Christ <laughs> is really what we're talking about. And, uh, you know, God bless you and your religious beliefs, as I always like to say, because as long as you understand there is a higher power, then I'm good with you. <laughs> uh, if you're just around and ain't nothing like it, I'll listen, but I'm not good with you. <laughs> I'm scared of you is what I'm talking about, Dr. Mark. How are you? Mark? Doing really good. Doing really good. Happy to be back. Uh, just up visiting family in Defiance. Uh, got to see our kids and our grandkids. Uh, being out in Denver, of course, the week before we talked about that, being out there with mom and, and sister and family and so on, it was a great time out there. And just uh, want to reiterate what you just said. You know, this is all about Jesus uh, this uh, time of the year. Uh, our focus is on the incarnation, his uh, bodily presence with us, God becoming man. This is a unique event in human history. And I would argue as a, as a Christian theologian that it is the most important event in human history, and we celebrate it as such. And, of course, uh, as we come back uh, after the holiday, uh, we're anticipating a new year, 2018 now, and we look forward to the new year for lots of different reasons, not the least of which is that we have this wonderful opportunity to do uh, some good work again. We're focused on doing good. That's the whole po point of this particular radio show, Titus Chapter 3, do good, do good, do good. And we're constantly looking for folks around the Indianapolis area that are doing just that. And so today we have on the program Matt Barnes will be with us via telephone, and we'll talk with him about his good work at Public Servants Prayer. That is, uh, he is the volunteer chaplain uh, down at the State House in Indiana, and we're looking forward to uh, having him on the show today. And then next week, and this is a promo for next week. The big yeah, that's right, the big 100. We are celebrating our 100th episode. Our 100th time together on air, HB and I and all of our guests. And I'm just going to say to everybody, I'll say this throughout the program today, I want to invite everybody who's been on, everybody who's been listening, uh, to think about calling in to send us questions. I'll be prompting this throughout the coming week. Uh, but we're looking forward to that in the new year. And then one more promo. Absolutely, after that particular program, what's really going to be a lot of fun is we're going to do our State of the Church in Indianapolis on the 10th of January. Looking forward to that. And uh, HB, this is going to be a great program today. You and I are back in the saddle after uh, some great times during the holiday. Well, man, you uh, kind of wanted to open up a can of uh, some, some stuff today, didn't you? I called it Succotash. Yeah, well, you know, we're talking about prayer for public servants. So, I don't, you know, it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to say to everybody, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, black, white, urban, suburban, doesn't matter to us. Uh, what does matter is what are we doing that's good in Indianapolis and good for folks, including, get this now, wait for it, including politicians. So how are we going to do good for politicians? There it is. That's why I called it suck attack. <laughs> you know, anytime we get a political uh, um, uh, dialogue going on in any kind of opinions that we have, then uh, you set yourself up for uh, your opinion being pretty much... Uh, the, the description of who you are as a person versus your political belief. 
where we will come at this from a biblical vantage point and hopefully smooth the waters and uh, take some uh, spice out of that succotash. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Well, what we're going to do is take our break as we always do. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Christians' opinions and politics up here on Warp and Warp Radio. So stay tuned to get somebody who has an opinion, maybe someone different than yours, and we can teach you how to communicate a little better. This is Warp and Wolf Radio on the cool group site at RadioNext.tv. RadioNext.tv, and we are live here at the Minius Institute uh, Warp and Wolf Radio Show here. A little bit after Christmas on 2017, getting ready to end up the show. Uh, we've got another show coming in 2017 for you, but today, man, we're going all the way in on politics and uh, prayer. And prayer. prayer and Christians <laughs> and everything else, man. It's getting ready to get live up in there. So, Dr. Mark, tell me just a little bit before we get going. Uh, how your Christmas was, brother? Oh, it was a great Christmas uh, being with the kids and the grandkids. Lovely time, of course. Uh, one of the greatnesses is uh, being a, an academic that you get these breaks in uh, in the, our opportunities to be together with other people, which is always a lovely thing. And we know that come the first of the year, we're back at it again. And I want to just give a shout-out to all of the Cominius students that might be listening, all the families, Cominius families, uh, folks that uh, see us at a regular basis at IUPUI. Uh, greetings to you. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everybody. Looking forward to getting back in the saddle with uh, everybody after the first of the year. Uh, but until then, uh, we are doing what we do at Cominius. We cross three bridges, helping Christian young people to make the connection and the uh, connection into IUPUI, specifically at public university, hearing things, seeing things perhaps that they haven't seen or heard in, in their churches or in their families before. The second bridge we cross is into communities. We're trying to link Indianapolis communities, uh, Christians who are doing good, and a special interest in connecting black and white leaders uh, throughout Indianapolis. And then our third bridge is Christianity and the Culture, uh, which we are kind of traversing today, HB, as we consider this issue of uh, why it's so important to pray for politicians and the importance of uh, serving our public servants in that way. Well, uh, we might as well get it in and start right now. But the first question of the first segment is, uh, since we're discussing prayer today, why is it so important as we talk about this subject matter? Yeah. So prayer is, uh, is a huge issue for us, obviously, as Christians. Uh, we believe, let me just start by saying uh, what should be obvious, I think, to everybody, and that is that we actually believe in a personal, eternal, triune creator of the universe uh, who cares for uh, his world and all people. Uh, this is an important idea, but of course it stresses the idea that prayer is communication to someone whom we cannot see, and hence the reason for Jesus coming to earth, uh, the incarnation we've just celebrated. Well, let me just give you three uh, baseline reasons why prayer is so important, and of course the scripture is full of this. We could talk about all of the different prayers of various individuals throughout scripture, but I'll just give three responses to why is prayer so important. First of all, it's a constant command throughout scripture. And one of the key statements, uh, for instance, in Second Testament teaching is that we are to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So this is a constant issue. Um, you know, when I think about doing something like this, uh, I'm thinking about in my car, uh, while I'm in my study, 
Uh, just to give an example from my study, as I'm, as I'm working on preparing for an academic class or uh, preaching or teaching, whatever it might be, I'm constantly thanking the Lord for opening my eyes that I might see wonderful things in his law, for instance, Psalm 119.18. A second reason for this is that prayer changes things. Uh, we talk about that all the time. We use that phrase all the time. But one of the great statements or passages in Scripture about this is that famous one about uh, the persistent widow in Luke 18. She wouldn't leave the judge alone, and finally he relented and allowed uh, her petition to pass. And certainly we see this uh, within the Godhead as well. Uh, do we change God? No. But from our human vantage point, it seems as if our prayers make an effect and certainly are effectual, and that's a whole discussion by itself. Whole books have been written on that. And then finally, the third reason why prayer is so important is it shows our commitment to God and his people. And let me just come back to Jesus again, uh, since we're talking about the incarnation of Christmas. Guess what? Jesus prayed. And what does that indicate to us? That he was dependent upon his Father. So are we. If Jesus prayed, so should we. There it is, H.B. Absolutely. I, I, you, we could almost just drop the mic. And the reason this is important on this uh, subject matter today is because we are talking about prayer for our public servants. And uh, as we know, if we are staying in tune with what's happening on our news or whatever, uh, our public servants are, are being put out on the forefront now. I mean, exposure, as mm-hmm. we always say, dark sh- <laughs> everything uh, uh, in the dark shall come to light. So, mm-hmm. to speak. Sure. so we have a lot of public servants right now under scrutiny, uh, particularly our president right now. That, you know, we don't call our president, but, you know, on <laughs> Under the guidelines of what I know from the last time I checked when I voted, he's the president. We have to deal with that as we, uh, you know, move forward, like or dislike. So why is prayer for the public defenders and our public leaders, uh, you know, why is this so important? Yeah, Uh, I'll give you two reasons. Uh, These come out of... um these come out of Scripture specifically. So First Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 4. In fact, uh, Matt is uh, going to be talking about this in particular uh, as he's uh, responding to us here in the second hour. Matt Barnes from uh, Public Servants Prayer uh, Emphasis here in Indianapolis. Uh, so here's the first uh, shot across the bow, as it were, from a Second Testament teaching. First Timothy 2, 1 to 4 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, notice that all means all, and that's all all means, so the emphasis the emphasis is there isn't anybody left out, you need to pray for everybody, verse 2, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, this is an important idea here, so emphasize again, for all who are in high positions, which includes, as you well suggest, our president and everybody else. Verse 3 says, This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so notice that connection in verse 3. This is good. It connects right into our program to do good, do good, do good. That's what we're all about. Uh, This is what we emphasize and the reason why prayer for public leaders is so important. Here's the second passage. And this is one that I'm actually going to be writing on. Uh, those of you who follow me at warpandroof.org, uh, note that I'm going to be writing on this right at the beginning of the year. Uh, the title of the essay will be Respect. And here it is, 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17. Here's what Peter says. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil 
Praise those who do good. Verse 15, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Oh, I could wax eloquent on that one. Verse, verse 16, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And here's the kicker now in verse 17. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the emperor. That could be a meme today. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And that word honor in that verse is the same word that's used with Jesus and in First Testament teaching, honor your father and mother. If we're supposed to honor our father and mother, we are also supposed to honor those who are in authority over us. Man, I don't know if it gets any clearer than that, HB. Well, it gets clearer, and it doesn't say anything about what your opinion is. No. <laughs> you know, yeah. as, we, as we end this first segment, you know, we're talking every week about principles of Proverbs. So uh, whether you like what we're talking about or not really doesn't matter. This is scripture uh, that we're, we're basing this whole conversation off of. And Dr. Mark is going out and finding some Proverbs that make just palatable, hopefully, whatever your opinion is about this. Speaking of opinions, tell us what Proverbs says factually sure. yeah. uh, about this situation and praying for our public servants. You bet. So I'll just give you three real quick. Uh, there are many statements, obviously, throughout Scripture about prayer and specifically for public servants. But uh, here are three from Proverbs uh, verse fifteen, uh, chapter 15, verse 8. says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. That's a whole discussion about acceptable sacrifices, and uh, basically Solomon is playing off that concept of acceptable sacrifice and acceptable prayer, and that is the emphasis here, that your sacrifice or your prayer is acceptable uh, because you are praying for people and and to God. Uh, The second one is in 1529 of Proverbs, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So those people who are out front in the front lines of doing good in the culture, committed to their uh, commitment to the triune eternal personal creator of the universe, uh, then this is these are the prayers that he hears. And then the third statement is from 28.9, Proverbs 28.9. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law... Even his prayer is an abomination. So if you're not willing to follow the laws of God, and specifically we're talking about uh, First Testament teaching here, follow God's laws, then don't even bother praying because prayer is an abomination to God at that point. We need to actually live justly, live righteously, walk humbly before God, and this is what the prayer that God hears from people that follow his laws. Lord, if you thought that was heavy, you do not want to miss the second segment because we're going in over the last four presidents, and uh, we've got enough in that category to satisfy. Oh yeah, have opinions from everybody. Oh yeah, dislikes. But I, I think what we're talking about today is your personal beliefs do not uh, limit your uh, requirement. There it is to do the things that the Bible says. There it is. Pray for our leaders. We're going to come right back. Is that what I heard? Uh, you are good, man. I like this. Man. We are jamming. <laughs> right. We are jamming. Two days after Christmas 2017, you're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove Zone. Ah, uh, yeah. Love in the middle of the breakup here at Radio <laughs> Night Dot TV on Warp and Wolf Radio. Mm. Having a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful time
you know, right. what people feel about uh, the current president. Um, and we also have a problem with people who have voted for this president who have an opinion uh, uh, in, in their mind said that now we can finally get this thing right, you know, and I'm like, okay, we've had uh, presidents ever since I've been born. <laughs> I try to tell people in 59 years, whoever's been president really has not made that much difference in the everyday life that I live. Just, just my opinion. That's an opinion. There it is. It yeah. hasn't had an effect on what I have to do as a responsible human being in my life every day. It's almost like, okay, here's the new guy, let's respect him, whatever the laws are, let's get with it, and then in four more years we're going to vote for somebody mm. else and see what their laws are, what their opinions are about how we should better move this country. So I think we need to just be a little bit more um, uh, cognitive of you're, you really got to do your thing. You bear responsibility for what uh, what Scripture teaches. Yeah. And, and that starts with, first of all, you know, understanding who Christ is in your life. And then I think yeah. that, I think all of that gets a little bit easier. At least it does it, to me. It sure should. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, big fella, you're the one who wanted to open up to the <laughs> Pandora's book. But <laughs> I want to know, know about, since, uh, I guess, let's go back to George uh, W.H. Bush. The daddy. Okay. And that is, and yeah. 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 We've had presidents, uh, Republican president, Democratic president, mm -hmm. two terms, Republican president, the son of George Herbert mm -hmm. um, for, for two terms, Barack Obama for two terms. Mm -hmm. We're back with a Republican president uh, beginning in 2016 with Donald Trump. Let's go there, man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, because we, we, we've had to, everybody's had to have some type of responsibility of tolerance. Uh, holding their opinions or manifesting their opinions, whichever way it might be, yeah, um, to, to their liking or disliking. Sure, so yeah. So, so let me go back to uh, something in the 1990s for me. This this is where it really kind of hit me upside the head. I I was really uh, chagrined by uh, Christians uh, who call themselves Christians and who were berating and belittling. Uh, Bill Clinton at that time. So in the 1990s, uh, for one thing or another, for all of the things that uh, we know about history concerning Bill Clinton. But I remember their, uh, their, their belittling of him and uh, telling jokes about him and so on. And I, and I would call them on the carpet and say, you know, that's not, uh, the biblical approach to this is not what's going on here. The biblical approach is respect and honor. All of those statements that I read from Scripture uh, early on, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, and many others, obviously, from Proverbs. Uh, I think about uh, George W. Bush uh, during the 2000s. Uh, he was a two-term president, and uh, the kind of response that uh, people gave to him that was not nice, uh, they were... Uh, there was quite a bit of vitriol uh, from people who disagreed with him. Uh, but then exactly the same thing when Barack Obama was president. Uh, for eight years, we had the same thing, only the script was flipped at this juncture, and we had the other side saying awful and nasty things about this individual person who was our president. And now we're flipping again. We have, as HB as well suggested, we now have a different president, uh, Donald Trump, who is our president in the United States, and now we are dealing with the same issues. We have the same disrespect, the same dishonoring that we saw with Barack Obama, with George W. Bush, with Bill Clinton. Uh, name a president. And by the way, for those who have, uh, aren't, aren't familiar with American history, you can go all the way back to the 1800s 
to see that there is nothing new here. People have been attacking each other. Presidents, uh, presidential candidates have been attacking each other. People in the press have been attacking presidents. This is nothing new over our 200 plus years of existence in the United States. My concern, however, and here's the issue, is how do Christians respond or comment on politics? And I'm going to go back and say the same thing I just said. First Peter chapter 2, what's our responsibility? Scripture is very clear. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. And again, the same word that's used to honor your mother and father is the same word that's used to honor the emperor or anybody who's in charge. And that certainly, in our case, doesn't matter if it's President Clinton, President Bush, President Obama, or President Trump. The same thing is applied across the board. We need to be very careful about how we speak in public as Christians on politics. HB, that would be my general comment. We could get into specifics, but there you go. Well, I, you know, and what's beautiful about this is it leads us into the next question in the second segment um, about the Christian responsibility. Uh, you know, we were talking candidly uh, before the show began about opinions. Yes. Uh, and, and opinions are like, you know, uh, your preference. Yeah, sure. Basically. I yeah. Mean, when we give our opinion. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes when I'm watching social media and I told you, we give opinions and now we act like we're God. We yeah. We act like we've got the answer. Mm -hmm. If you don't do this, then you're you're condemned to go to hell. Right. Other Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't read that in my Bible. Yeah, thank I you. I read in my Bible much what you're talking about today. There, There is law, and I just made a post out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, your, your political preference is an opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's your opinion. Mm -hmm. But Proverbs is law. Yeah. And law says what you've just been mentioning all morning, man, whether you like it or not, you have a responsibility is. by law, by God's covenant to mm -hmm. say, uh, might not like this guy, might not like her. These are our elected officials. There you go. Let's do the best we can do to make sure yeah. that the whole moves uh, in unison mm -hmm. as best as possible. Sure. Uh, without your likes or dislikes taken away from the fundamental responsibility. Right. Absolutely. Does that sound good? Doctor? Yeah. I look we'll at you, look man. Look question. at you. Uh, <laughs> what 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 does Proverbs say about you know Christians and what their responsibilities are? Sure. So the emphasis on uh, how we view politics from a Christian vantage point. Let me just go back to something that I wrote just before the election. This is something I wrote on WarpAndRoof.org just before the election. You can find it. Uh, November 7th, uh, 2016. And I, I begin by saying we think we have it bad. Imagine living in the time of the so-called Roman peace or Pax Romana. Maintaining order in the Roman Empire was often under the boot of a dictator. Free speech was unheard of. The wrong words within Roman hearing were justification for immediate imprisonment or worse. Usurpation of person or property was at times the whim of government officials or common soldiers. Emperors often acted as if they were gods instead of men. Submission, yeah, how about that? Submission was required of the Christian, however, no matter the authority, the created institution of the office. And here I reference First Peter 2. Peter explains our responsibility is to do good even if we think the authority to be foolish. 2.15 says we should view our Christian submission to authority as a voluntary act. 2.16 says, and if means existed in Peter's day, this would be one, fear God, love Christians, honor everyone, honor the emperor. That was what we've been reading all along. America is a unique nation, however, in human history. Our homeland is far from perfect. We've sinned in numerous ways, slavery, forced relocation of Native Americans, abortion. Yet in God's mercy, he's allowed a measure of providential success and prosperity to many. And Americans have titanic freedoms, freedoms envied by people in other nations. Hardships abound, yet citizens of the United States live 
in the most prosperous, peaceful country in all of human history. Our distinctive standing mandates our respective responsibility. So, if you're a Christian listening to this today or later on with the podcast, uh, this is the key, key concern uh, for all of us. We need to stand against sanctimonious self-congratulation because our way is the right way. We need to stand against vilification of anyone because their group believes a lie. So we think. Stand against prejudiced information because our news source is always correct. We need to stand against poisonous language because they are terrible people. Or we need to stand against arrogant attitudes because our heart is right with God. H.B., let me just give you this visual, and I know we're on radio, but here it is. One of the great pictures in this piece that I'm quoting from uh, in my essay, Warp and Woof, on the 7th of November 2016, is a picture of the Bushes and the Obamas. And here is Michelle Obama and George W. Bush in an embrace. And they, here's Michelle uh, hugging him from behind, and they both have these big smiles on their faces. And this is what I wrote about this. May we Christians lead with mercy, never traffic in, trafficking in vile or vitriol. May we Christians be known for our love, others seeing that we are Jesus' disciples. May we Christians stand for right against wrong, winning the respect of outsiders, and may we Christians respect authorities so that we might live our lives in peace. That's First Timothy 2. Hey, HB, our country is not perfect, our representatives aren't perfect, and we are not perfect. May we turn what we think is bad into doing what we know is good. There it is, man. There it is. There you can tell us we're not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. But, I mean, and with that being said, you know, and I'm glad that you read that because this makes some sense out of everything that we're trying to convey today uh, to the listening audience. This is... Uh, this is this show has an opinion, mm-hmm. and the opinion of this show is that if we work harder as uh, uh, white America, Black America, to know one another, yeah, then we can get, exist a little bit better together. Sure, and hopefully that existence will turn into working in harmony. That's right. We know the discards, we know the things that have happened sure. in history uh, that brings the separation. But if we can talk about it candidly, then we can just do a better job at it. I Which hope. is the last question of the second segment. Uh, what are the responsibilities, and who are some of the Christians doing some good things in the community, Mark, uh, like what you're setting out to do? Sure. So let me just uh, emphasize the one that we are going to be emphasizing here today, and that is public servants' prayer. Uh, this is a great group of folks who are doing great work. Uh, We're going to be hearing from Matt in our second segment here as we discuss these kinds of ideas. But one of the key concerns, obviously, for us is uh, praying for uh, the State House, praying for our Indiana representatives. Uh, And they're going to be doing this, actually having a 14th annual State House prayer service, January 3rd from noon until 1 at the Indiana State Atrium. Uh, Lunch will be provided. Uh, It's hosted by, of course, Matt Barnes, uh, who is the volunteer State House chaplain uh, and supported, of course, through public servants' prayer. Uh, We're looking forward to that particular event. We're also looking forward uh, to hearing from Matt here in the second hour. So I'm just going to leave it there, HB, with that particular group since uh, we're really focusing on praying for our public servants today. Absolutely. Let's take one short break. When we come back, we've got a hit list of folks who are doing some great things in our community. Uh, I didn't see your name on that list. It was (laughs) a fly with all the great works that you 
you do in the community market and you know your initiative over at um, Comenius and, and some of the great works. But well, uh, thank we're you. Come right back. We're talking about opinions, politics, and Christians. What is your opinion as a Christian on what we should do in the political arena? You're more than welcome to chime in. Hit me up on Facebook at Dr. Mark up, and uh, we're going to be right back. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site. Radio Next. We are live here on Warp and Wolf Radio, Radio Next.tv, Cool Groove, and we are at the Collaborate 317 brand new facility out here, 4202 North EMS Boulevard. We invite you, please, to come out and just check out what we're doing. We have uh, close to 40 nonprofits that we are incubating, teaching them proper ways to uh, manifest. The, the hope and the good that they said that their nonprofit is about. And the only way to do that is much like what Dr. Mark and I are talking about each and every Wednesday uh, warping and woofing. Come and tell them what warping Yeah, warp and woof. Yeah, warp and woof. yeah absolutely. Warp and woof are the vertical horizontal threads that make fabric. And so, from a Christian vantage point, we come at this from Colossians 1.17. By him, by Jesus, are all things held together. So, he is the fabric. He is the one that holds the fabric of creation together, that holds us together. Uh, as a church and as a Christian community, that's important for, to us. And, of course, that's what we're all about here at Warp and Woof uh, Radio is uh, the focus on doing good in the neighborhood, uh, finding uh, Christians who are doing good throughout Indianapolis area, and then promoting them on this radio show. HB and I were just talking about this a moment ago uh, as we were t- discussing uh, the concerns that we have. Our responsibility, HB's responsibility and my responsibility is the same, and that is information, communication, helping people to know what is out there that's good, and that's what we're all about. And speaking of good, uh, we made mention right before the break that we just had so many Christians in our community that are going, doing good things. Um, and what I love about looking at this list is I know some of them personally. Yeah. I know that we have some quote-unquote different aisle <laughs> yeah. side of the aisle people on sure. this list. Which is a beautiful thing because yeah. uh, I guess what we're really trying to say is your Christian belief should not have anything to do with your preference of your political opinion. And that's why we're doing this show today. So, Mark, give me a list of some of these great people in our sure. community who are doing some good work as Christians, uh, being able to say, okay, I am not going to let my personal opinion dictate the work I need to do and support of. Uh, the, the current people who are, who are our leaders in this community. That's an important uh, segue, HB. I do appreciate it. I, and I think specifically about uh, folks who might have very strong differences with each other, and I'm sure that Matt will be able to elaborate on this with us uh, a little bit as he communicates about some of his kinds of stories. But, you know, quite frankly, uh, we have uh, good Christian folks here. The list that I'll give you are good Christian folk who are approaching issues from different vantage points. But what I'm discovering about Christians and politics all the time is that while our method and our approach may be very, very different, we basically believe the same stuff. So here's my list. I think of about Doc Ramon Batts, who's a great leader in education in Indianapolis, uh, who does good because he is concerned about young people and education in Indianapolis. I think about his wife, Dontanya, who's been on the show. Uh, she's a great leader in the justice movement, uh, justice across the board. In fact, uh, uh, she has just earned her Juris Doctorate and uh, is uh, doing great work as a lawyer, uh, looks forward to new and uh, other opportunities in terms of the justice movement throughout Indianapolis. And I think about a guy by the name of John Crane, who's a state house rep, and uh, what a great work he does uh, emphasizing what is good and right and true uh, throughout 
our Indianapolis area. Ashley Gervitz, who actually worked in politics for some time, now works with a local church toward doing good. Ashley and what she does is a tremendous help uh, to not only the community at large, but specifically to the Christian church. Then, of course, when I think about churchmen, I think about Charles Harrison and Charles Ellis, uh, two great pastors uh, leading the Ten Point Coalition. Uh, they just had Jeff Sessions, who's the AG of uh, the U.S. Uh, here in Indianapolis, and he just couldn't say enough good about what they're doing with Ten Point, Charles Harrison and Charles Ellis. Jay Hine at the Sagamore Institute. Uh, does great work uh, in so many different directions, uh, not only nationally but internationally, bringing in world leaders uh, because he worked in the White House for so many years, knows so many different people, and he has a great grasp on political issues and does good uh, throughout Indianapolis and throughout the world, honestly. Gary Varvel. Gary Varvel is a cartoonist from the Indianapolis Star, and his cartoons uh, just resonate with so many different folks. Uh, he has a certain perspective for sure, but nonetheless, his concerns uh, are well documented in the way that he writes his cartoons. So many people resonate with what he does there. Russ Pulliam, who uh, his family has uh, was for years uh, the head of the Indianapolis Star. Now he writes for the Star. Uh, they have uh, a great... Uh, nonprofit established for journalism. Russ Pulliam does great work in Indianapolis. And then one more, uh, I, I mention uh, this individual because, uh, not only because of her great work, but also because I know that she's listening today. Laura Henderson, thank you so much for making Courtesy Common at Families First. We're so pleased uh, for your impact in Indianapolis. And, of course, having been on our show as well, uh, bless you, Laura, and your good work, and everybody that does good throughout Indianapolis. Merry Christmas, Laura. I tried to call you yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being funny. I'm sorry, man. Well, but no, seriously, Laura does some great work. Yes, we'll she does. We'll be uh, touching base with her soon because we're going to do a show on uh, mental health. And part of there you go. the kindness of the heart of the people uh, who help address the mental health issues here in our city. Um, you know, before we get to this next question, bro, you yep. and I talk about this candidly all the time. Uh, what What we need to do as uh, a community to get people together and you're talking about culture and opinions and this is the sticky one brother mm -hmm. you saved this little last for the second <laughs> didn't you for a reason let's talk about you know the, the culture and the difference in opinion because uh, for instance and I'll leave this off as an African American guy dealing with mostly issues from the Democratic Party that tried to uh, quote-unquote address issues of those who are disenfranchised and low-income and uh, predominantly urban communities. Uh, what we have been uh, bred and taught as a community is that the Democratic Party is the party that will help relieve some of uh, the things that uh, our community goes through. As I've grown up, and become independent thinking and become uh, a little bit more wise in my assessments of opinion. Oh, how do I say this without getting slapped around by some people who out? No, I'm just serious. I say it like this. On one hand, Mark, for us as an African American community, the dialogue seems like there is a party who's really not interested in you being disenfranchised or low income, or at least they don't address it from that vein. They don't make a, a specific point. But that's the good thing, because at least you know what you're kind of dealing with. The bad thing is, is when you get a party who says, we want your vote, we love you, you're our people, you're this, you're that. But the call you get is like at 1 a.m. in the morning leaving the club <laughs> saying, I'm on the way over, but I got to leave before the sun comes up. 
That's opinion. It ain't law. It's not me not being politically responsible or voting or supporting the guy who is the press. It's just my opinion in politics. Go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so let me be real short and sweet because uh, I know we have one more question here. But uh, nonetheless, let me just be real short on this one. Um, this is why we're having this discussion today, because I'm so concerned, as you well point out, HB, you, you've hit some important nails on the head here. Uh, this is why I'm concerned about this in the Christian community, because we have a tendency to allow our politics to dictate our theology. And so my concern is always that uh, when Christians allow sociology to dictate their theology, it's always going to get warped and uh, not woofed, by the way. Uh, the fabric is not going to be whole in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. So we're concerned, obviously, today with our Christian responsibility toward politicians, and that is toward prayer. Uh, that's our emphasis here today. Uh, but I'll let you hit me with my political junkie question here. Yeah, well, let's go with it. You, kinda, <laughs> you, you, know, you didn't want to really dive deep in on that one, I saw, because that's, that's a tough question. That that does lead yourself into opinion uh, a little bit more probably than we want to discuss today. But that's, that's an opinion. But anyway, you are a political junkie. And I've heard you describe yourself in a way politically that you're kind of like, okay, well, my guy who thinks outside the box has boxed himself in his political belief. Go ahead and yeah. About your political uh, beliefs, and basically, you know, as a political junkie, a responsibility that you have uh, yeah. as, as a man. As a man and as a Christian. I, so uh, let me start with something that I probably haven't ever told you before, H.B. This comes from when I was 16 years old. I actually was working for a political candidate. I grew up in Syracuse, New York. And I was working for this political candidate. And at the time, uh, I was also filling pulpits. I was preaching. And I realized that if I focused my attention on politics, I was really only spraying. I was using the fire hose against the flames. But if I was preaching the good news, uh, preaching theology, preaching what uh, Jesus has done for us, then I was uh, focusing the fire hose on uh, the origin of the flame itself. And that's what I've been doing ever since, really, is a focus on how do I think about human nature and our, our concern about that. I am a political junkie. I read uh, everything that I can get my hands on about just about everything. I'm reading so many different sources. I don't lock myself into one side, which then leads me to what I wanted to say about uh, not being in the box at all. If you want to go back to something that I wrote in February 2nd, 2016, that's February 2nd, 2016, you can look up uh, on the search line at Warp and Roof, just type in the, the word politics. And there I stake out my political position. So after careful reflection, this is what I wrote. You can go and read this. I'm a liberal in the classic sense of being broad-minded. I'm a conservative in the ancient sense of being preservative of great ideas. I'm progressive in the modern sense of being forward-thinking, present application. I'm a libertarian in the revolutionary sense of being glad to allow others to live as they would like. I'm a socialist in the scriptural sense of being compassionate toward those who have less. I'm a constitutionalist in the originalist sense of being certain that law and liberty has a primary source that gives foundation to all of us. And here's the kicker. I'm a biblicist in the eternal sense of being subservient to the personal triune creator who has given timeless wisdom to his temporal world. So I find these things in various places, and I wanted you can go and read this for yourself, but I wanted to end with the attitudes that I give. Five attitudes that may help us engage political differences, and here they are. Number one is clarification. We should ask questions instead of preaching at people. Number two, discernment. Be honest, be careful, and be kind. 
allowance, number three, being lovingly tolerant of people is important, even while we challenge beliefs. Number four is reserve. Humility teaches if we never think we're wrong, we already are. And number five is audacity, saying that we are correct depends on truth, which depends on an outside source. This is huge for us who are Christians. We actually believe in the eternal personal creator who has made all things, who has revealed himself not only in the personal work of Jesus, but in his word, the scriptures. There it is, HP. I'm out of the box, man. There it is. Oh, you just made the box bigger. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No, I, I feel you. Um, and, and, you know, you and I, we talked about this last week, and it was funny because, I mean, I, I was trying to describe how I am in my political belief. And, and I think the best way I can describe it is what I said last week, man, that I am just a strong, principally based free spirit. Uh, <laughs> you are that. No, I, I'm, I'm just. There it is. Yeah. My. my my opinion is that it's not my opinion that matters in this whole thing. My opinion is is that if we follow law, then we always do the right thing mm. according to the scriptures. That there we you serve. go. And it is so flexible and, and it's so varied in where you need to go and how you need to to deal with the fashion of those principles. Mm. And, you know, you hear me say this all the time. Yeah. Like a root, a, a tree planted by, by, the, by the water side. You know, mm-hmm. firm in your principles, but in, in fashion change like the season almost because there's going to be some new things and some new ways that people do things. It's like if we didn't change, we wouldn't be talking on internet radio. Mm-hmm. That's right. We weren't willing to change our facts. Yeah. Um, that's one thing we didn't talk about that maybe we need to hold open. The opinions of Christians and now with this new tool and device um, as we wait on, on Gary to come in, I mean, that now has lent itself to everybody being kind of a journalist and I think mm-hmm. that's the difference that we're dealing in now uh, in the order of uh, how we respect the, the political leaders that have been chosen by the people. Because remember, this president was chosen by the people. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, if we want to have respect for the choice that you've made, then we've got to have respect for the choice that was granted. Mm-hmm. This is the best way I know how to put it. Um, so, what do you feel about that? Well, we're going to be taking a couple song break here, but uh, just to put a footnote or a, maybe an exclamation point on what you say, uh, freedom within the boundaries of what Scripture teaches, man, I'm right there with you. There it is. Absolutely. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site at Radio Next. And we are back, Warp and Wolf Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And this week we are discussing the concerns that we have with public officials and specifically our concern with uh, praying for our public officials. And we have uh, with us here today uh, Matt Barnes, who is joining us via cell phone, uh, visiting some family down south. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you, gentlemen? Good to, good to be on with you. Oh, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, family holiday here. Well, my wife's family lives down in Florida, so we had to suffer a little bit and come down where it's warm. But we're on our way home, so it's good and bad. We're looking forward to being back home in Indiana. Well, of course. You know, this is uh, the Hoosier State, and we are proud uh, members of the state of Indiana. And, of course, uh, you have family not only in Florida, but where you live here, obviously, in Indiana. Tell us a little bit about your family, about your church, and about your work in Indianapolis. Sure. My my father, my dad is my pastor, and so I grew up in a in a preacher's home. I'm a PK, and uh, that can be both good and bad. And I, for me, it was wonderful, and uh, glad to be raised in a preacher's home. And we grew up in Southeast Indiana, and so Indiana is home to me. 
and I certainly love uh, love Indiana. I love the Hoosier State. So then our family lives in Indianapolis, and uh, we're we're glad to be there. It's it's a great city. I've uh, been a part of it now for uh, nearly fifteen years as part of ministry, and we just love Indianapolis. It's a great place to live for sure, and we're really glad, especially for the good work that you do. Of course, the focus of this particular radio show is to do good and finding Christians throughout Indianapolis that do so. And you are one of them. That's the reason why you're on the show today. And and one of the reasons why we wanted you to be on the show is anticipating uh, something coming up this next week. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the State House Prayer Service, we started that um, almost 14 years ago. This will be the 14th annual State House Prayer Service. And the idea was, could we get together political leaders, pastoral leaders, civic leaders, uh, just from all over the city and the state to come together and to pray, and specifically for the General Assembly. The General Assembly goes into session starting on January 3rd, so we just do this, the prayer service right before they go into session every year. This year they've chosen January 3rd, so next Wednesday, and we're looking forward to it. The, the governor will be there, the lieutenant governor will be participating, the Speaker of the House, the President Pro Tem of the Senate. We also have uh, pastoral leaders, uh, Pastor Johnson, Jeffrey Johnson will be there, David Hampton will be praying. We're just looking forward to a great time of prayer together at the State House. And we wanted to make sure that uh, the week before that this great event was taking place, that we would get a chance just to chat with you and promote this this good time that you're going to establish for the State House coming up in 2018. But one of the things that I think that I think our listening listeners would be really interested to know about is about your unofficial work as chaplain of the Indiana State House, and I, I call it unofficial because, as you've suggested to us, not only uh, in person but also on your website, uh, that this is a volunteer position. So, tell us a little bit about what you do as chaplain of the Indiana State House. Sure, thank you, Mark. You know, it was um, 13 years ago in October when the Lord laid on my heart the idea of praying for my leaders, but I didn't know exactly how, and so. My mom suggested I go and just start asking them. So I walked into the state house and asked the tour desk if I could speak with the chaplain. What surprised me was that they said, we don't have a chaplain. We've never had a chaplain in the nearly 200-year history of Indiana. There's never been a chaplain in the state house. However, we are the very first state house in the nation to have a chapel room in the building. So we have a chapel, but no chaplain. And so it sounded like a, a car without an engine. And so I went up to that chapel and just began praying for my leaders by name. They gave me a list of all 150 members of the House and Senate. I began praying for those folks, and I realized, you know, many of them probably know the Lord. Some of them don't. And so I thought I I would love to find out how to pray for them specifically. And then I just I went home. I suggested to my wife, Mark, I said, hey, honey, what about quitting my job at the hardware store and going and starting a ministry in the Capitol? We had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a six-month-old, and my wife is a real trooper. She said, let's do it. And so we showed up in Indianapolis to start a ministry. So that's how the whole thing began, and that's why there wasn't a chaplain there before. Wow. I'm I'm just kind of blown away by hearing all of that, especially about uh, when your wife says, yeah, let's do this without a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty impressive stuff. So your whole family's in on this. Yes, it is a family venture, and truly it needed to be all of us in. Um, I, I couldn't do anything if it wasn't for my wife, my, my best friend and partner, and so she has just been right alongside of me for these, these 13 years complete in the State House. 
that's a really fine uh, testimony, not only about your family, but also about uh, the good work that you do here. And I, I think it's important for people to understand what that work is. So tell us a little bit about actually what you do, what kind of activities do you perform during congressional sessions or outside of those sessions? Sure. Well, the General Assembly meets gen- uh, in, in January, this year, January 3rd through March the 15th will be the shorter session. The longer session will be next year in the budget year, and that's the beginning of January through the end of April. And so there are many activities that go on during that time. I have been asked and tasked as a volunteer to uh, be on the House floor and Senate floor and meet the pastor of the day. So every day that uh, in the House and Senate, there is a pastor that comes in and opens up the session in prayer. And that is just a tremendous blessing here in Indiana be able to have pastors, and I would encourage any pastor that is listening to contact your state representative or state senator and just let them know that you'd be interested in doing something like that, because it is a wonderful opportunity. It's an honor to be able to do that. So I help out with that. I help schedule pastors when I can uh, to do that, and that's that's one of the activities that, that happen by way of faith and prayer in the state house that I'm thrilled to be a part of. So that's just one of those things. Wow, that's a really fantastic opportunity. Uh, so maybe in the future I'll just put my name in the box there and you can pull my name out sometime in the future. What do you think? Oh, I'm sure we would love to have you, Mark. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're grateful for those kinds of opportunities, but especially for the opportunities that you have uh, to do what you do. So, uh, yes, you introduce uh, pastors uh, that, that come to the State House and those kinds of things. Tell us about some of the work that you might be doing personally with some of these legislators uh, and the kinds of things that you're concerned about for their lives. Well, you know, pastoral work in the political arena is not dissimilar from pastoral work anywhere because politicians are people. They hurt, they feel, they bleed the same as you and I. And so for me, I love them. And I'd love to talk a little bit about how I got to that point here in the next segment maybe. But for me, I just go in there and we do Bible studies. Um, people are surprised that there are Bible studies that go on in the Capitol. So we do Bible studies. We do chapel services. We have women's Bible studies. Uh, we have a, a women's chaplain now in the State House. Pam Russell does a tremendous job ministering to the women of the Capitol because, quite frankly, about half of the people in the building are women, and so it's important to be able to minister to them, and so Pam Russell does that. Um, so we have Bible studies, chapel services, one-on-one counseling, all of that sort of thing would be things that I do uh, with political leaders. One of the things that uh, kind of stands out when you stop to think about a state like Indiana where uh, our legislature does not meet for a full year or even for a majority of the year uh, the question right. then might become uh, one of what do you do when you're not at the state house? Do you have other responsibilities that uh, are outside of the state house in that sense of things, uh, working for or praying for or being with legislators during the year when they're not in session? Well, as, as you say, they're, they're, um, they're in session that first part of the year. However, there are people in the Capitol, in that building, year-round, um, probably between maybe 150 to, to 300 people year-round. And so there are executive branch of governments, uh, such as the governor, the secretary of state, the treasurer of state, the auditor of state, superintendent of public instruction, the attorney general. All of those offices still have people year-round that are helping. There's a government center behind the state house, the south government center, north government center, with agencies that are there. There are people there all the time. So... I still have a presence. We still have a Bible study year-round. So 
do a Bible study during session with legislators in the governor's office on Thursday morning. And then year-round, we have a Bible study in the chapel room on Fridays for anyone in the government centers or in the state house. And so there's still a regular presence there. Our women's Bible studies are year-round. Chapel services are year-round. And so then also, we go out into the districts, and I love preaching in churches of the legislators or of political leaders. And so those are things that I enjoy as well, just getting out across the state of Indiana and seeing our beautiful state, but then being in these churches where leaders are or just where the average Hoosier is. is. I love preaching in those churches and telling them that there are Bible studies and there's almost a revival, in a sense, going on in the Capitol, which is encouraging because our hope is not in politics. Our hope is in the Lord. Mm. Wow, you've just uh, you, you've opened a whole segment of various principles there that that uh, we we really need to follow that ter- those various uh, strains that uh, that you've suggested here, especially as it relates to uh, our hope is not in politics. Obviously, yes. our hope is in the one who has uh, given us new life. His name is Jesus, and so our interest, I think, in exposing uh, what you do and telling folks what you do is to suggest, you know what, there are lots of things even in government that we don't even know about. And so when you say this uh, on on air for us uh, to tell us, hey, uh, you know what, this thing is going on year-round, and here's some of the things that we're doing, I think is really kind of eye-opening to our listeners and to anybody else who will listen to the podcast later on. Uh, When you talk about the issue of of being year-round, what are your specific responsibilities? You've mentioned uh, preaching in churches, perhaps on Sundays. Uh, you've mentioned uh, holding uh, Bible studies, uh, doing prayer, sure. those kinds of things. Are you doing any other things during the week uh, that would be uh, involved again with the, with the legislators themselves? Um, yes, absolutely. So one of the things that we, we are encouraging folks to do, it's a new initiative for us as public servants prayer, and that is, that we have in Indiana 10,746 elected leaders. So there are 10,746 potential opportunities for believers to engage per First Timothy 2, which you were talking about in the first hour, that idea that I exhort, therefore, that first of all, make it a priority to pray for your leaders. And many times we think of our congressional leaders in Washington. We think of representatives and senators that are there, the president. But in Indiana, we have 10,746 elected leaders. Mark, that is more elected leaders in a state than California has elected leaders. So we have a great opportunity in Indiana to reach city councilors, to reach county commissioners, to reach township trustees with the love of God and, and prayer. And so one of the, one of the things, exciting things we have going is now we're, we're starting a new prayer meeting in the Indianapolis City Council. And that is so exciting to me that we'll be able to meet right before their meeting, just a couple hours before that. And we started it just this past meeting where we'll show up and we'll be here and we're inviting the entire building to come down and have prayer on that particular Monday afternoon. And uh, what my goal is in the heart of, of, of the ministry is to see this spread across the state because it's working. It's worked in the state house to have, be praying specifically for leaders with them, alongside of them. They have pressures that we don't even know and we just hear about on the news. And so that's one of the things we're doing is exporting the idea across the 92 counties in the state of Indiana. So I'm constantly going out in those counties and across the state meeting with local leaders as well. Wow. Uh, so let me back up and say 
I'm just kind of blown away by 10,746. Let me say that first. That's a huge <laughs> number of people. <laughs> and the second comment I have about that is more than California? Seriously? That's yes, just amazing. We do. We do. <laughs> well, and really, it's, it, the idea is it's, it's government closest to the people. I think we have very close government. And that can be a, a blessing to people who need to get in touch with people in government. And you have that township trustee that's close to the people. And I think that's the idea of it. The issue of local uh, versus national is an important issue. Not that national isn't yes, important, sir. but we're concerned, obviously, with, as you well said, uh, s folks that are closest to us, and we're concerned that we have a voice with those folks that are closest to us. So the opportunities yes. that you have now uh, dealing with individuals and then this new opportunity in the city itself, uh, this is a, a yes. marvelous thought uh, that you are, are going down literally into the grassroots. I'm sorry, I can't think of a better way to say that, but that's really what it feels like you're talking about. In 92 counties, you're in the grassroots of politics throughout Indiana. Well, here's the question, Mark, I would ask of pastors. If you had 10 minutes to spend with the governor of the state of Indiana, 10 minutes, and you could pray with him and minister to him in, in that way, would you do it? And virtually every pastor should or would say, yes, I would do that. The, the question then becomes, well, what about at your city council level or your county commissioner or your township trustee? Many times, um, that is in essence, you mentioned grassroots. I would also say it's almost a farm system, almost like baseball, where you have the mm. single A, double A, triple A. Wow. What happens is, as they're elected at the local level, uh, they gradually then come a little higher elected office and a higher elected office. So many of the people inside the state house, as a state representative or state senator, were initially a county commissioner or a county councilor or a city councilor. And so the idea is we need to engage at the lowest level possible, loving on these folks and showing them the love of Jesus. And then as they progress in their career as serving politically in, in a public office, that is a blessing to them, and they'll continue those relationships because they were with that pastor early on, and that pastor becomes their pastor. It's a tremendous opportunity. My word. This is, uh, this is a fantastic interview here today with Matt Barnes uh, at, here at Warp and Wolf Radio at Comenius Institute-sponsored radio show we have every week from 10 until noon. Uh, we're really grateful for Matt's presence uh, via phone. We're going to take a short musical break here, one song, and then we'll come back. And we have some other questions to ask Matt about individuals and stories that he might be able to tell us about these kinds of things. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We will be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio. 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 And we are back, Warp and Radio Next TV at the Cool Groove site. This is the 27th of December, our last show of 2017, and we are really pleased today to be joined by Matt Barnes, who is joining us uh, via telephone, and uh, we are talking with him, who is the volunteer chaplain for the State House of Indiana. Uh, Matt, thanks again for being with us today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, HP. Great to be with you guys. So uh, we talked in the first segment about some of the things that you're doing uh, specifically in the state house, but across the state, which was absolutely fascinating. I got to tell you that 10,746 is going to be in my mind all day long. Uh, elect <laughs> elected officials in 92 counties. Wow, I just I learned a ton here today. Uh, 
But uh, when as we're coming back in, uh, one of the things I think that would be interesting to listeners uh, would be what are the kinds of things that you talk about with House members? Uh, and then uh, maybe how do you help them with the kinds of things that they're interested in? Sure. Well, as, as I mentioned earlier, politicians are people. So um, if they're people, they struggle with the same things that you and I do. So uh, there could be, and, and folks call me constantly. I'm in, I'm in touch with House members, with senators, um, with people in elected office virtually every single day. And so as I'm talking to them, they're going to talk about um, their, their job situation. It's an interesting thing as um, a political leader in the state house itself, our, our folks in this house and in the Senate are part-time legislatures. So they have to have another job outside of that. They only, they're only in session the first couple months out of the year. In fact, some people, when they get elected, uh, they'll tell their boss, hey, I need to take four months off for the first part of the year. And the boss says, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> They've lost their jobs from that. And so there are job pressures that come on them, and they don't make a lot of money as a state representative or senator, contrary to, to popular belief. They don't make a lot of money at all. So they have to have another job to make ends meet. So we'll talk about um, financial issues. We'll, we'll talk about family issues. Uh, they have children. They have grandchildren. Some of them um, have grandchildren, uh, cousins, aunts, uncles that are addicted to various forms of addictions. And so we'll talk about addictions. Um, they'll have own, their own personal marital issues. Um, they'll have church issues. Uh, so those are all the types of things that I would, anything that you would go to your pastor about, many times they look at me as, as their pastor. An interesting thing about political service, and this is something that I would just encourage your listeners, if you know someone in elected office that goes to your church, and, and many of us have that. We have uh, people who serve in government who are in our local churches. But I just, I just would encourage you to not talk about politics with them at church. <laughs> They're there to worship the Lord. No. They're there to spend some time with God and with God's people. And what happens is, as a political leader, they, they get elected, they go to church, and everybody wants to talk about politics. Mm. And they just want to worship God. Mm. And so um, that's something that begins to be a struggle, so that political leader may have to show up late to church and leave early because they don't want that interaction. They've been, they've been doing that all week. That's something they do in their day job or uh, as they're doing a volunteer service. They just want to serve the Lord. So it, it can be church issues, family issues. It can be any sort of thing. That's that's what I chat with them about and talk with them about heart to heart on a day to day basis. Mm. The the issues that you're uh, talking about here come back to the statement that you made a couple of times, and that makes me chuckle. But you know, I think we forget, and that is that politicians are people. How about that? Uh, this is something that uh, I think most of us, when we read the newspaper, when we get get on the net, and we're reading various news sources, uh, we have this tendency to pigeonhole people and put them in boxes and think that you know they're just this one thing or they believe these one this this one set of standards and don't see them as truly human. Yes, the word I would use is we objectify them. And so we make them into an object and then we can throw things at the object and think it doesn't hurt the object. But these are these are people. I have sat with elected leaders who have shared with me how hurt they are by a political ad that was untrue. And they said, you know, it didn't hurt me, but as I was sitting there and I'm watching the show with my grandson, and then here is someone that comes on the television and they're making fun of their grandpa, 
that hurts. That hurts them. And so the families are often more affected by the negative ads than the, the candidate themselves. So as you think of and as you pray for your political leaders, make sure you include the spouse, that husband or wife that is also in as much service as the political leader themselves, but their name isn't out there, but they hurt for them as well. And so we just have to be careful that uh, Ecclesiastes 10 says to curse not the king, not even in your thought. And that's very difficult. And so when we think of curse, that seems like a very harsh word, but it even says to not even think less of them or think lightly of a political leader, even in your thoughts. And he goes on to say not to curse the rich, even in your bedchamber. And so how many times have we said negative things about a political leader in our thoughts or in an area where we thought no one would hear? And the Bible says, make sure you don't do that. And that's a high standard, Mark. That's a high standard for believers to not do that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, what I'm going to be putting up as my weekly essay next week about respect. Maybe you heard me talk about this earlier, but yes. I, I'm really concerned that uh, Christians uh, do this kind of thing on a regular basis. They make fun of folks or they uh, diminish them or demonize them in various ways. I think this is reprehensible, obviously, if we read First Peter 2 and find that we're yes. supposed to honor the emperor and that same word is used to honor your mother and father. Wow. It sure seems like that's a that's an easy crossover to make, but in our world, your word is absolutely true. The objectification of people, we do this constantly with folks. Uh, this is a sadness, uh, so thanks for highlighting that particular issue. Well, and specifically, as I think on that, I've heard it said, I will honor the office, but I will not honor the man. And then if you look at First Peter there, he says, honor all men, and then he says, honor the king or the emperor, as you said. And so we don't have an option as believers. We must honor them. The thing is, as Paul was writing to Timothy to pray for them, he gives four things. It's supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Probably the most difficult in that order is to give thanks. And so I would just challenge the listeners this morning. <laughs> when was the last time that you prayed for a leader you don't like? Then, and that's hard enough, that's hard enough. But, but when was the last time you thanked God for a leader that you don't like? Wow. Because as Paul is writing to Timothy, he's writing to him in a time of great uh, a Christian Republican democracy, right? No, of course not. <laughs> it is a time of dictatorship, tyranny, and even persecution. That That is who Paul is writing to. And so they were supposed to thank God and give earnest supplications and intercede for the emperor, intercede for the the kings, the governors, and that's a that's a high mark, again, a high standard, and it's very convicting to me as a believer that I'm not doing that, I need to get to doing what God said to do. Isn't that the truth? I'm thinking about your comment about respect, and uh, Scripture's pretty clear about this. First Thessalonians 5 and Hebrews 13 says that respect isn't earned, it's supposed to be given, and that oh, is, that's wow. a huge issue in authority. Uh, and I think about folks who are, who denigrate others, and it doesn't matter who, whether it's politicians or somebody yeah. else. Uh, if we disrespect authority and we demonstrate that in front of others, especially young people, gee, what, yeah. do we think that they're going to respect us? And, and what kind of respect are they going to be giving in response to us? I mean, this seems yeah. to be uh, pretty obvious uh, when we read scripture. Well, I love the way you tied that in, because if, if you think we, because a lot of times folks will say the problem with young people these days is they have a lack of respect, and yet then we'll turn around and we will disrespect 
the office of, of whoever's in the presidency, whoever's in the governorship, whoever's in the, you know, and we do that, and we're just, we're putting a pattern out there that we disrespect authority as well. That's a great tie in, Mark. I hadn't thought of that. It's really an important one, and, and you know, obviously when we have these great discussions with great leaders like yourself, it makes it so much easier to make those uh, kinds of comments because we're in the same wavelength, we're thinking along the same lines, and of course, from us as Christians, it's from a biblical vantage point. Uh, so this is a really powerful uh, show in that sense to get people to think other than what they normally do. Let's move into uh, some of the results of your work and the tangible outcomes that you see. And when I say the word tangible, I don't necessarily mean something I can hold in my hand, but something that you've seen the end result of that is in some way positive uh, that you could reflect uh, with the people here today. Sure. I can give you a quote from the uh, Speaker of the House. Last year, uh, I had the privilege of uh, performing uh, with Hoosier Idol. It was a fun time um, where legislators kind of display their hidden talents, and I was able to sing with a legislator and a lobbyist. So it, it almost sounds like the start of a joke. There was a chap on a legislator and a lobbyist <laughs> walk into a contest. But I was able to do that, and we actually, the three of us, we, we call ourselves the Capital Tenors. We ended up winning it which was unbelievable. Oh, my. But as we did that, and, and the Speaker of the House came up on stage with us. He was emceeing the event at the Indiana Roof Ballroom. Hundreds of people gathered, and he said something that just struck me and was pretty awesome to me that God had done. And he said, Matt, you and your team have fundamentally changed the discourse in the Indiana House of Representatives. He said, and he went on to say, and here's why, because as you sit there in the House, a legislator may come up, a representative may come up to the, the microphone to say something, and they're, and they're going to say something that's not nice about their fellow legislator. They look over and they see that they have a pastor sitting there praying for them, and that changes what they were going to say. Hmm. And that just really struck me that I, because I, I often struggle as I'm a volunteer chaplain. I, I mean, nobody has appointed me that. They haven't passed a law that says we have a chaplain, and I'm just volunteering my time, because I love these people, and I'm doing what God's called me to do, but as I sit there, you often wonder, am I making a difference? And he's saying, yes, sitting there, and I'm a representative as well, Mark, I'm a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as I sit there, hopefully they see the Lord and not me, and that's what he was alluding to, that, hey, you've made a difference, Matt, in just sitting there and praying for us, and, and I sit there, when as long as they're in session, I'm sitting there with them. Whether it's in the House or the Senate, I sit there because I need to be in the trenches with them. And it could be over the most obscure and difficult subject matter that is very boring. It doesn't matter. I care about them as people. They're, they have to listen to this as well, and it may not be interesting to them. And I want to be there and listening. So that's, that's my heart, and that's one tangible thing that we've seen that the Speaker of the House has made mention of, that we've changed the to fundamentally change the discourse of the house. That's an amazing thing. It is, and all glory to God on that. Yeah, I'm, that is a that is an out of the park home run hit. I just an amazing uh, thought that that uh, somehow people's presence could make a difference. And I I wanted to pick up on that concept of being present with people. And yeah. uh, obviously, we've just come off uh, this wonderful holiday where we celebrate the incarnation, Jesus coming in flesh. And, of course, the idea of incarnation is that Jesus came in bodily form and was present yes. with us. How important is it for legislators uh, to have you present? You've given us a great example of this. Do they tell you other ways in which this makes a difference for them or for their constituents? 
Well, it's interesting now being there for a full 13 years going on my 14th year. Um, I have now seen legislators come and legislators go. The ones that came have left. And so I've been there longer than most of them. And many times they will comment to me that they cannot imagine the state house without a chaplain. And, uh, and, and I can remember, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that there wasn't one. And so, uh, they certainly give that, uh, positive feedback on a regular basis that they can't imagine the state house without that. At the same time, there are also, because of the things that we do in the state house, that weekly Bible study, there are legislators that, that, that is a highlight of their week when they gather together, Democrats, Republicans, all different ideologies gather together to pray with one another in the governor's office, to, to gather around the scripture. And I loved you, you bring in Proverbs earlier this morning. We've been in Proverbs for several years now. That In the state house, they make fun of me that, that uh, I, I can, we're really cruising if we get through two verses in a Bible study. Because I just, I love to dig deep into the Word of God, and Proverbs is so rich. And so we gather around the Word of God together, and these legislators say, this this is what helps. Because um, another legislator, uh, Senator Bro, said recently, she said, you know, I, I, it's hard for me in the morning to hold hands and pray with a senator, and then in the afternoon to go say something and hit him almost upside the head or something in, this, in session later on. Because prayer changes us. And I have a little tagline I use oftentimes, and it helps me, because it is impossible, Mark. It's impossible to hate someone you're earnestly praying for. Mm. Wow. You will end up loving them. It's impossible to hate them. You will end up loving them. So, so these legislators, as they gather together and they're praying with one another, it's a highlight of their week, and it bridges gaps. It bridges all of these different um, things that we may think are barriers to communication. Prayer and the Word of God, centered around the Word of God and Jesus Christ, will bridge all sorts of uh, of gaps that need to be bridged. So that's a highlight to their week is, is a Bible study, which is kind of an, an anything. That, that's uh, really something where you stop to th- think about Bible studies going on in the state house, and uh, I'm sure there are folks kind of shaking their head going, you know, how in the world does that happen? But here you have this presence, and obviously it's been a good one, uh, something that people are praising and, and uh, being very thankful for. Uh, when I hear you say these kinds of things, I'm, I'm wondering, do you actually have folks... Uh, who uh, are from the other side of the aisle, and they literally are going to Bible studies together. That's what you're saying. Uh, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> they are, in fact, in our weekly Bible study, um, we have a, a Democrat and a Republican. Uh, virtually every single week, one's in the House and one's in the Senate, and uh, and they sit down and we have Bible study together. So, and that happens during session as well. They're gathered around, praying together, reading Scripture together. So, yes all sides of the aisle, different ideologies, and they're wanting to find out what does God have to say um, on on our service to the state of Indiana. Hmm. And uh, very, I, I do not, I don't get involved in issues, Mark. It's something that's a, a clear mark, um, demarcation for me. I, I do not get involved in issues. So whatever issue somebody may be coming to, to say they want to lobby on this issue or that issue, I don't do it at all. Um, I am there strictly for the souls of the individuals that are there. Um, it's to share the word of God and share the love of Jesus with political leaders and their staff. And so uh, there are all kinds of people that gather for that sort of thing, and it's a good thing, and it, it creates a civic discourse and civil a civil atmosphere. Mm. A civil atmosphere and civic discourse. Now there is a <laughs> something that whose time has come, right? <laughs> yes, truly. 
this is an important uh, discussion here this morning. I, I'm wondering, as I'm uh, chatting with you about this, uh, what's your vision for the future in your work, and, and how do you see it perhaps replicated elsewhere? Well, we're seeing it already. We just started this past month in, in, in the Indianapolis City Council building. Um, with having, and I, what I see is I see pastors doing this. And I know pastors need another thing to do, like they need a hole in the head. However, there's a thing in business called ROI, or return on investment. And so I would just posit this idea. What's the greatest return on your investment? We should, we can, and we do minister to the down and outers. We should do that, absolutely. But I'm suggesting that there are up and outers as well. And so we need to minister the down and outers and the up and outers. And so for a pastor to walk into um, a city council meeting in, say, Greensburg, Indiana, I've tried this, I've done it. I walked into the city council a couple of years ago and just sat there. And I'm saying that the threshold of pain is very, very low, Mark. All I'm suggesting is go into these areas of government and sit there and pray. And that's all you have to do. Because prayer, as you said earlier, makes a difference. It changes things. It also changes me, but it changes things. So I, I went into the city council in Greensburg, Indiana. I just sat there and prayed, and I left. I didn't say anything to anyone because naturally I'm an introverted person. People scare me to death. One of the reasons I think I like radio because I don't have to see anybody. <laughs> it scares me. And so I, I walked into the meeting. I sat there. I prayed, and I left. The next month, I went in. I sat there. I prayed, and I left. And the third time, I'm sitting there, I'm praying, and somebody came up to me and said, who are you? Because there's only like five other people in this in this meeting. And one time, they even thought I was a lawyer there to represent a cause. No, 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 actually, no, I'm not. I'm just here to pray. Mm-hmm. So the mayor came up to me, Mark, he says, Matt, who, he says, who are you? I said, I'm Matt Barnes. He says, okay, why are you here? Oh, I'm just here to pray for you. He says, great. How about noon on Wednesday? And I thought, really? And so he wanted me to show up on Wednesday. So I did. I showed up on Wednesday and had a great time of prayer and interaction with this mayor of a city. What I'm saying is, as a pastor in any of the thousands of churches across the state of Indiana, every pastor has this opportunity. These political leaders, by and large, respect you. Use the office of leader in your congregation to be a leader in your community. Go in. And sit there and pray, and if you feel so led to introduce yourself, fine. But stay out of politics and stay in prayer. Mm. Stay out of politics, stay in preaching the word, mm. and you'll be amazed at what God will do through you. Wow, those, that's a great word, uh, stay out of politics and stay in prayer. That's huge, and one certainly that every single Christian can abide uh, by, uh, putting aside those things that might actually defi- divide us. I'm always telling people that uh, we focus so much on diversity, we ought to really focus on unity, since Ephesians 4, 1-6 to 6 is really crucial for us. Uh, I'm thinking about this as we uh, end the show here, toward, toward the end of our show here today. We've got a few minutes left, and I wondered if you might have some final thoughts you'd like to leave with the audience. Well, I know that we've laid out some heavy things today. It is not an easy thing to say, pray for that leader that you dislike, but you are not given an out. It doesn't say if you like them, pray for them. It doesn't say if you like them, thank God for them. So if there's one thing I could just leave on the minds of the listeners today, it is, hey, pick somebody 
that you don't like, pick, pick a leader, maybe it's, it's in the paper, just pick a leader that you uh, are regularly here about, and begin praying for them specifically, that God would give them a sense of peace, that God would give them direction, that God would give them wisdom. They're crying out for it in the state house. I'm telling you, they'll say, please pray that we would have wisdom. And what does James tell us? He says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. And so we need to be praying for them. And so I also suggested praying for their spouses and their children and their grandchildren. I would say one more thing as praying for your leader, and that is to pray for their staff. Because those staff carry a heavy weight and a heavy burden in the state house. They're the ones that are really getting a lot of things done in the state house. I would say pray for the chief of staff. Pray for the legislative assistants. Pray for the ones that write the bills in legalese. They need your prayer as well. And so the entire capital community needs to be bathed in prayer. And one, one legislator, uh, a Democrat from Bloomington, one time prayed at the state house prayer service and said this. They were just praying, and they said, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just cover this place, and it would be so slicked up with the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Spirit, and the blood of Jesus Christ that the devil can't get his hands on it. That is a powerful prayer, and we need to be praying for that for our political leaders, and that God would not lead, that he would keep them out of temptation and keep them walking in ways that serve the public well. Mm. Matt, this has been uh, fantastic. We're really grateful for not only your service, but your heart. It's pretty obvious that uh, your pastoral concerns and care for people uh, extend into the Indiana State House, for which we're all grateful. Oh, praise God. He's the one at work, and I'm just thrilled to be doing something alongside him. Well, off air, uh, for those uh, here listening and for the podcast later, we'll be pushing this out throughout the week. Uh, Matt and HB and I were kind of uh, putting our heads together about uh, doing our 100th episode at the State House next week. So we're going to try to make that happen, and you'll hear from us next week and just ahead of uh, the wonderful event from 12 until 1 uh, next week, which is the public event, a prayer service for the inception, the beginning of the the, the 14th annual, actually, inception beginning of uh, this particular legislature. Uh, We're grateful again to hear from uh, Matt Barnes, who is... uh, giving us uh, great insights and understanding from uh, Public Servants Prayer Organization, and you can find them on the net, social media, they're everywhere. Uh, Make sure that you connect with them and begin that whole process of what Matt is suggesting to us, and that is to pray for people uh, actually abiding by and practicing 1 Peter chapter 2. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Next week is our 100th episode, and we are grateful that you've been along in this ride with us. And until then, we'll look forward to chatting with you next, next week at the, U, at the Indiana State House.